You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. We give uh, Nigel and Kathy a round of applause as they come up and bless us with the word. Hallelujah. I need the pulpit. Am I on? I don't know whether I flicked a button or I haven't flicked a button. Is that on? Okay, that's great. All right, I, I know that you haven't done this for 40 years, but can we just move a row? I'd like you to just come forward a little bit. Would you do that? Hallelujah. You can turn me down just a little bit, just a little loud. Hallelujah. Yeah, just, just, it just, this is so good for you to move this morning. Hallelujah. What a great church. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming up. Because I want you part of this family up here. Not sitting back there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm cool. Yep, thank you. Um, I, I remember uh, coming to the United States. And uh, I, I, I hit Curtis's church from a place called Thief River Falls, which is just below the Canadian, Canadian border. I thought I'd died and gone to hell when I went there. And of uh, course, you know, I, I came from, New, I actually came from New York and um, I, I only ever knew for the first six months of being in, in America, I only ever knew one week ahead where I would be next. And, uh, and so it was just a crazy, crazy time. And, um, but, but God just knit my heart with Curtis and Joy, and then Kathy comes. Uh, thank God she came over, and, and we had no idea what we were walking into in America, but it was just, I'm still getting some kind of a ring here. Uh, with the sound. It might be in my jacket. Can I take that off then? I'm freezing. Hallelujah. How's that? Is that better? All right. And well, of course, I'm going back to the tropics in four weeks, back to Australia. And so I will actually be able to get away with shorts as well. I was going to wear shorts this morning, but I would be taken to jail for no visible means of support. Hallelujah. And so we, we came, finally got to Curtis's church and God really knit our hearts together. And uh, next year, it will be 20 years that I uh, began coming to the United States of America and, and have seen and continue to see and believe in God will see amazing things that have happened. God's just so opened up uh, the, uh, this great country to us. We fell in love with Americans. We fell in love with your country. Mind you, you're not the most popular nation in the world, are you? No. No, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But that's all right. Glory to God. Uh, I think America's a fantastic place. And without America, the world would be a very sad, sad place. Hallelujah. My Bible's falling apart. I want us to turn, if we would please, let's just get into the Word this morning. I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I'm, I'm going to minister uh, this morning. Uh, can I just really provoke the absolute possum out of you? Hallelujah. I want to prod you and provoke you this morning 
in the name of Jesus. I'm feeling really sassy because I'm going back home in four weeks. Hallelujah. So I'm getting ready to fly out of here, heading out to Arizona on next week sometime. And then I've got uh, three weeks in Arizona and one week in uh, California. Hallelujah. There's another God, God, up, a God uh, meeting that we had there with that guy. All right. I want us to turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make day dawn upon you, and give you light. Is that the Amplified? No, that's King James. Can we turn it off? Just listen to me. Hallelujah. All right. Look carefully then how you walk, live purposely and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague, thoughtless, and foolish, but understanding, firmly grasping what the will of God is. I want to talk initially about the climate in which the American church is right now. I want to share about two pastors I met recently, two AG pastors. When I first came over here, there was a national move of God and there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and I walked straight into this. It wasn't just something that was happening in one place, it was happening everywhere. And so I walked into this. In fact, one of the uh, pastors, a, a woman pastor that uh, we, Curtis and I both know very well, um, she actually, the power of God would move, I would stand there I would go to speak, but it, the place was so chaotic and people getting the joy of the, the Lord and falling out under the power of God. All the stuff you see in the movies, they were falling off their chairs and rolling down floors and doing crazy stuff. And, um, and so I never preached. And then one, one morning in a teaching meeting, I was determined to preach. So I did do that in my teaching meeting, and they presented me with a plaque congratulating me on completing my first message with the church, hallelujah, which is now in my office. And so, so we went from those heady days, and, and I then began to see that the move of God began to wane. Now, let, let me explain something about the move of God. I've been privileged to be in outpourings and visitations of the Spirit. God never wants to abort anything. The problem is that people cause God to have to, uh, well, people walk away from what God's trying to do, so to speak. But the heart of God is that He pours out His Spirit upon all flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? And God's heart is that America awaken from their slumber, their spiritual sleep, and begin to press into the things of God and begin to expect God to do what He's done every other time when people have a heart for Him to move. Hallelujah. And I've got to tell you, so I'm going to be really honest with you, right? And I've been coming here for 20 years. I've been commuting from Australia. We still live in Aussie. Uh, the American church is not good. 
and things aren't good, things are really bad, and churches are just accepting mediocrity as a way of life in the church, in the church world. A, a, friend, a, 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 a friend of mine who knows Steve Hill, Steve Hill called the head of the Assemblies of God in America, George somebody, I forget his other name, and he said this, I have never known another time in church history in America where we have such rebellion in the ministry. And he said, we have youth pastors and, and different people uh, coming away from their churches, causing divisions and splits, right? Causing all kinds of havoc and pain. Not only that, he said, I've never had so many resignations of preachers wanting to quit the ministry. So now we've got to a situation where we have more leaving than more joining. We have people who have, who have accepted mediocrity in church and have just settled back on their leaves doing nothing much and just existing from Sunday after Sunday. What am I trying to say? The church is dead and it needs a revival. We need a move of the Spirit of God. We need God to blow a new wind across the churches of America. And Australia is worse. If I'm talking about America, Australia is worse. So, so now we have, this is going to sound like doom and gloom, but I have some hope. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. But, but let me just explain something. We today are in a culture in church life, what I call the 50-minute culture. And, and, and we, are, we are so sensitive to people's feelings and so sen uh, sensitive to what people want or don't want, we have, become, we have become totally dead to what the Spirit of God wants and what He wants to happen in a service. Huh? See, it's not about us. We always thought it was about us. It's actually about God. Glory to Jesus. Are we comatose? Just Could we just do that? Hallelujah. Thank, oh, glory to God is the breath. Hallelujah. I want you to respond to me today because I'm telling you something. God's got plans for this church. Yes. Hallelujah. And the prophetic utterances have gone over this place. You have to start to believe God, that God wants to pour out a spirit upon this place, that God's heart really is to cause massive increase to actually have this whole place full of people. That's God. That God would love nothing more than to have that happen. But it starts with us. Huh? It starts with us. And, and so, so we now have this culture. And, and I wrote some notes down here that just concerning what the church is today. Number one, we have no move of the Holy Ghost. We have, we have a very well-oiled machine that, God, that, that we feel God's happy with. God, God loves spont spontaneity. He loves when we're just free enough to step out and do something in the Spirit. Hallelujah. God wants you to have spiritual adventures. Hallelujah. Paul said, I long to come and impart some spiritual gift. If you go into the Greek of that, he said, I long to come and impart some spiritual adventures to you. 
God wants to take the church into some adventures. He wants you to go into some spiritual adventures to begin to extend yourself and believe that God can do much more with you and me. I'm not happy, and I've been around this for a long time. So now we have no move of the Holy Ghost. I went to a church, a church of 10,000 in Dallas, sat in the congregation. The entire show was over in 50 minutes flat. I didn't even have time to draw him a second breath, for God's sake. Hallelujah. The worship was great. Everything was great, but it was short. And my Bible tells me they that wait upon the Lord, right? But none of us want to wait because we are totally obsessed with busyness and doing our own thing. Right? I've never known such a, a busy nation like America. We have iPods, I, iPads, my God, cell phones. You know, We've got so much stuff. That, that, that is around us, God doesn't get a, a word in edgeways. And distraction becomes a major, major problem in the church. Hallelujah. I'm going to call, talk about these two AG pastors that I met just in a minute. Stirred me up for sure. The Holy Ghost is talked about, sung about, but not invited. And the reason why he's not invited, because men lose their control. You can never have a move of the Holy Ghost if the man up front is not willing to relinquish his control and give it to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There is nothing more comforting than walking into a church and seeing your man, your head leader or shepherd, whatever you call him, lying on the floor, prostrate, unable to get up, unable to move, uh, to move physically because the Holy Ghost is on his life. We need men filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. glory. Say amen. amen. Say God is good. Amen. Say we need a revival. Amen. Say we need a move of God. Next, churches run on men's programs and business plans like a business. I'm here to tell you the church is not a business. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church must become a place where the, where the Shekinah glory of God falls. I pray that God blow your socks off. I pray God cause you to get so dissatisfied with the status quo, you'll begin to wait on him like you've never waited on him in your life. Hallelujah. It's going to get bad in here this morning. Glory be to God. And I'm leaving after this, so I'm just going, I can cut loose and you'll have to love me because you'll never make it otherwise. Huh? Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. No cause for salvation. No altar calls. No conviction. No repentance, self-help messages, no laying on of hands, no impartation. Let me tell you something about the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I think it's wonderful. And I find it difficult when preachers stand up and preach where they're actually opening the Word of God and actually reading some Scripture out. I'm old-fashioned. Right? But the Word of God without demonstration is incomplete. Paul said, I don't come with enticing words, but power and demonstration in the Holy Ghost. We need men today and women that are prepared to begin to demonstrate the power of God. 
Hallelujah. Steve Hill of Pensacola said this. He said, if people, ministry, don't start laying hands upon people, in 10 years, everybody will forget how to do it. I love getting into churches that are really difficult and really hard and, and religious. I love getting into churches like that and just from a standing start from absolutely nothing, just operating in the gifts. No music, no choir, no nothing. Just operating in the gifts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And see, I've had some of my best, I've seen my, my best miracles, not mine, but God's miracles come out of dead situations. Just start to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus laid hands on people. There, there was, there, there, and that wasn't a culture. Jesus in Mark chapter 10, they were bringing children to be blessed by him. And, he said, and they began to rebuke those that were bringing the kids. And he, and he, he chided them for it. And he, he made this statement. He said, forbid not to come to me. And then the Bible says in the Amplified, he laid hands upon them at one by one and fervently invoked the blessing into those kids. Impartation is the key to sustaining a move of God. We must start to demonstrate the kingdom and then tell people, this is the kingdom of God visiting you. People come in sick and they walk out sick. They come in oppressed and they walk out oppressed. We have to believe God that there is such an atmosphere of deliverance in the Holy Ghost that when, listen, I'm telling you something. In the book of Acts, there were people too afraid to even join themselves to the disciples and what was happening in the early church. Scary stuff. Ah, another problem today that we, that we are, our future many times is influenced by the way that we are brought up in the gospel. Well, that's not how the church taught it. Well, I don't care how the church taught it. Get back to the Bible and look at what God did. Look how the apostles responded and acted. You want to know what church is like? Go back to the beginning to when the first church was established and what God did there in the first church. Hallelujah. I've seen people come down. I've seen the Holy Ghost touch people that weren't even saved for God's sake. And people in the meeting got upset over that. I have, had, I have seen more miracles on unsaved people a lot of times than saved people. And the reason being is we know too much. A bunch of bikers come in one time in, in this meeting in Illinois having a spectacular time. Just God was moving, exciting. I love when God moves. It's very exciting. Hallelujah. These, these guys come in. And I start to move in the Spirit and start to impart the Holy Ghost. And this guy... <clears throat> probably about 400 people in the place. And this guy was standing there to my right, and he's like this. <laughs> Give me the evil eye. So I looked at him and I said, he was a biker, and he brought a bunch of uh, guys in with him, and um, invited by another friend of mine, uh, who I just met another biker, but he was born again and saved, and he brought all these bikers. Anyway, <laughs> so the guy turns, he's standing there, and I turn around to him and I said, what do you reckon, mate? And he said to me, oh yeah, chewing gum. And uh, a bit uncomfortable now because I'd talked to him publicly, so this wasn't a person-to-person -person deal. And I said, uh, would you like some of this, mate? And he said, oh yeah. 
I said, then get down here then. So he comes down and he goes like this. He's looking at me like this. And I said to him, get your hands up. He said, okay. And he's chewing gum like this now. You know, here's a guy that doesn't know Christ, gets his hands up. Sometimes I find it hard to get believers to put their hands up. That's why I love unsaved people, because they don't know anything. So now his eyes are wide open, his hands are up, and he's chewing gum now at much faster than when he first came. Hallelujah. Because now he's a little nervous. So I prayed, I, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I released the anointing upon him. He went down, as he went down, he went, oh, blankety, blank, 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 blank. <laughs> Shock the life out of him. I lost probably about half the congregation. And so this guy hits the deck and his eyes, now he's lying on the deck with his, still got his arms up, yeah. And he's chewing frantically now. This is a frantic chewer that I've got in the meeting. And, and I looked down at him and I said, did you like that? He said, absolutely. So I got him, the boys to lift him back up, the ushers. I said, do you want another dose of this? He said, absolutely. I don't think he knew any other word really. And so we have, Father, in the name of Jesus, whack, down he went again. Thank God he didn't cuss. Hallelujah. I mean, that was just cool. But I love when he did that because it's real. Because we're so religious sometimes. See? Now, you are not to cuss. Glory to God to prove you're not religious. But he wasn't even safe. You know what I mean? So, so five times he went down. The fifth time he's lying on the floor. He is like a stunned mallet. He's lying there. He doesn't know whether it's night, day, what it is. Whether he's alive or human or divine. And I looked at him and I said, Do you want to get saved? He said, Absolutely. I led him to Christ. Five of his mates also came to Christ, but they wanted it the same way he got it. So I had to pray for all of them. And they, thank God, none of them cussed. That was the only one. And, and he cussed. In the meanwhile, I prayed for one of, their, one of their wives. She hit the deck, but the biker that was in the meeting thought I had, I had assaulted his wife or assaulted his girlfriend. And so he was carrying a handpiece, a gun, and so he said to the guy that bought him, I'm going to kill him. I'm going right down now. And as he went to come down to kill me with a gun, I didn't know this until about a week ago. Yeah. This big biker, say guy Roy, he, he said, he grabbed this guy, put him in a headlock. Yeah, that's right. And kept him there the entire meeting. said, I don't understand what's going on here, but it seems good to me. Hallelujah. Had him in a headlock. And the guy's like this, trying to get out of the headlock. Glory to God. Anyway, five of these guys, five of these guys got saved. I, two years later, I was in the same area. And this young man came up to me and said, do you remember me? I said, I, couldn't, I could not forget you. This guy was saved and had served God on a full-time capacity. The moment he got saved, he had served God for, ten, for two years. Hallelujah. See, God can do more when we are open to see Him do things. God wants you excited about Him. Hallelujah. I don't care if the churches are dead. You don't have to be. All right, there are churches that become, they run by the clock. And there is a pressure on Holy Ghost men to conform to seeker-sensitive type churches because they have numbers. Let me tell you something about numbers. God doesn't care squat about numbers. Right? 
Hallelujah. On the day of Pentecost, just prior to the day of Pentecost, 500 historically gathered on the, on the command of Christ to wait in Jerusalem until you get received the power. 380 couldn't wait and went walkabout. So we'll have 120 waiting and obeying the command of Christ to wait in that upper room, which incidentally wasn't theirs, it was rented. So two things, God doesn't care about numbers and He doesn't care about buildings. Because I've been in some churches that have been so dead and so full of trouble, it's be I call it a leprous house. It'd be better to light a match and have a meet in a rented hall. Hallelujah. So now 120 are gathered in the upper room and they wait for the power of God. We have people today and men of God that evaluate their success by the numbers in the church. I like what Rodney Howard Brown said, big churches don't impress him. Oftentimes it's flies flying around a dead carcass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the hunger. What makes a church successful is the deposit of the presence of God in the church. Because without presence, you're playing church. With presence, you have church. I mean, this is real basic stuff this morning. But I just want to hit you with this today. Is that okay? All right. Now, I want us to turn to Acts chapter, Acts chapter um, 1. Acts chapter 1. Just the other day, I met two, uh, I met two AG pastors. One of these guys uh, had been in the ministry for 45 years. And the Lord began to speak to this guy about a move of God's Spirit. And he is really inexperienced as far as the move of the Spirit of God is concerned. And here he is, 45, uh, 45 years in the ministry, and asked me if I could impart to him the gift of laying on of hands. He had never laid hands on people. Only on the rarest occasion. Hallelujah. So I began to talk to him. and We sit, sat at McDonald's. I'd, I'd met him for the first time. And, and he, said, he said, Nigel, I am so desperate and I am so hungry for a move of God in my own life and in the life of my church. I'm desperate for this. And he said, I'm praying towards this end. In the meantime, another pastor in the same city, God spoke to him and said, in the fall, you are going to see the beginning of what I intend to do with this town in Illinois. And so that pastor turned up incognito into the church service that Sunday night. Not even the host pastor recognized him. And he came into the church and God spoke to him and said, this is the beginning. We had an amazing move of God. Hallelujah. And so I'm going back there, and it looks like it's going to be a citywide uh, back in that place. The other guy that I met, and I've just come from him, never met him before, A.G. Pastor. He got so desperate and so hungry, he called the church to a 40-day prayer and fasting. They had just come out of it, when I had my meetings with them. And we had the most extraordinary meetings. Just, just, just come out of there. Going back again in October. And they're believing to see God really move. 
young people getting touched by the power of God. Let me tell you something, church. We've got to start to stir ourselves afresh. We're going to have to start to push the, and put a demand on the Holy Ghost, put a demand on the Spirit of God and say, God, I need something more than what I've got. I'm too hungry to quit. I'm too desperate to accept mediocrity. I want the Holy Ghost. And, and if God can touch 120 people in the upper room, how much can God touch this church? Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Marubo ibro inki brosanangihai. Hallelujah. You know what I think? I think of the Holy Ghost and I think this. He is the most insulted, criticized part of the person of the Godhead. People can put up, they, well, they love the Father, they love the Son, but the Holy Ghost... Hallelujah. Now, he's, he's, he's the genius. Write this down. The Holy Ghost is the genius of heaven. He is incredible. And what I love about him, he never asks anybody uh, their permission of how he's going to turn up. He just rocks up and says, this is me. Hallelujah. I love that about the Holy Ghost. Hands up those who know the Holy Ghost has got a mind of his own. And he doesn't need your permission to be able to do something. Because many times, many times churches act like, like they give the Holy Ghost permission. Listen to what Jesus said. It's going to get bad soon. Right now, it's going to, this is good, but it's going to get bad in here. And while being in their company and eating at table with them, verse 4... He, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized into the Holy Spirit. Then we go to verse 8. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem all Judea Samaria and to the ends of the very bounds of the earth verse 13 when they entered the city they mounted the stairs to the upper room where they were indefinitely staying Peter and John James and Andrew Philip and Thomas and so the boys verse 14 all of these were their minds in full agreement full agreement with what full agreement to wait until something happens Full agreement that they were going to obey Christ. Full agreement that they're going to be in the upper room until... See, they had no concept of what was going to happen, but they were in full agreement that whatever Jesus said was going to happen, they weren't moving out of there until such time as He did. How desperate are you? Are you of one mind to be able to wait... And expect God to move. What is going on in your mind right now? Because coasting is not allowed. Because Revelation says either hot nor cold. One or the other. You know the tendency and the, the problem is when you've been in the, in the gospel for a long time. We are the biggest problem. Did you know that? Because somebody that receives Jesus for the first time, they're cool and they're excited. They, they are what we used to be. 
right? The problem is for us, because I've been a Christian for a hundred years now. And I've been in the ministry for a hundred ninety years. Hallelujah. The problem is the, the moment the moment I think that I've got a handle on God, I've lost the plot. And so have you. Because God is incredibly inventive, intuitive, and wants to rock your socks off. And it's almost like those that don't, haven't got much experience, they're the good ones. We are the problem. Because we've got all these funny ideas that we've picked up over the years, maybe through church life or through people. And they wonder why God's not moving in our life. I don't want to be some of those funny old people that, that you know in memory lane, always going back in the past. I haven't got time to consider the past because I'm creating future and I'm creating present. There's too much going on for me to be normal. Hallelujah. Right? I want everything that God's got for me. I don't care how bizarre it looks because sometimes it can look really out of this world, which it is, but it can look really bizarre. And it's no exception than the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. So he tells the disciples, he said, listen, he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, let's go to verse 1 of chapter 2. Familiar scripture, but I've got something heavy to say soon. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all assembled together in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast. So now the Holy Ghost comes in and the first thing that greeted the disciples were, was a violent tempest blast, a sound from heaven, unlike anything they had ever heard before. So now we have sound. It's amazing how people get offended with different things the Holy Ghost does. When I was, and Curtis, when we were in this movement and, and joy was happening and God was just doing the most, people getting drunk in the Spirit, the most amazing things, right? Um, uh, people were getting offended at people being happy in church. And so people would give me sign language, and I thought, you know, after seeing that, that they only had one finger on their hand, but they would walk out of the church, right? Went over many heads. Anyway, we go out of the church and really insulted and, and uptight because people were outrageously happy. And people got offended because people ex outside themselves were behaving in the most joyful. It's like if you won the lotto, right? Oh, guess what? I've just won 200, uh, I've just won 200 million. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't think so. Man, I'd be on the floor, I'd be kissing everybody, oh, glory to God. Huh? So, so sound comes and so people get offended at little things. People got offended with joy. I wonder how many got offended with the, with the sound. And the Bible says a violent tempest blast filled the house in which they were sitting. Interesting that the Spirit of God touched the house physically before He touched the house bodily. 
There's something about a building that the Holy Ghost rests on that attracts people without an advertising or an invitation to walk into a church building. There's something about certain churches that have something about them as kind of like a light. It's almost the building or the Holy Ghost resting on the building. That's the invite. That's the invitation. Huh? And that's what attracts people to you. That You freak them out a bit, but they can't stop being around you. I got a guy that I traveled to the outback with. He said, I love being with you, Nigel, but he said, you're scary. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, I, and I thought, how can I be scary? I love Jesus. But we're not normal people. And I know you sit there and you think you're absolutely normal and everybody just doesn't, doesn't talk about you, but they're all talking about you. Because you're a weirdo to a lot of people. You're strange. And if you don't think they're strange, invite your neighbor to come here to church and watch you worship God. Then they'll think you're off the planet. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. Now, when this sound, verse 6, was heard, the multitude came together and they were astonished and bewildered. So, so a move of God, you can't get your hand on a move of God. People are going to have different feelings. Bewildered, astonished, derisive, gossiping, murmuring. Oh, this old guy, my God, probably my age. Hallelujah. Anyway, this old guy came up, this old guy came up. And, and his eyes wide open. He'd been in the church for 160 years, I think. And uh, so he comes up and I said, I, I barely touched him. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. And he goes, like this. And every time, he, I love picking on him because I love new he's like that. Fresh blood. Hallelujah. He was never used to this. And I said to his wife, how's he been, how's he been going? He said, he can do nothing but talk about this. Well, how can you go and talk about that to someone at work? Guess what happened to me? They'll lock you away, hallelujah. Right? And so here we are. Here we are. So the sound was heard. They were beside themselves with amazement. And then others made a joke of it in verse 13 and derisively said they're drunk. And Peter standing up said, no, they're not. It's 9 o'clock in the morning and the pubs aren't open to 11. Hallelujah. I pray that God breathe His fire and His wind on this congregation. I pray the wind of the Holy Ghost blow across this preacher. I want as much Holy Ghost fire as I can get a hold of. Hallelujah. But there are some issues. And I want to talk about the issues in the nicest possible way. Hallelujah. All right, there are some issues today embracing a move of God. I want you to write these down because I want you to go back on this and reflect on these issues. Number one, the time issue. I'm too busy. Busyness is killing the church. Or I only do Sunday morning. If they have extended meetings, I won't show because... I'm busy. What's that about? 
It's a time issue. Well, I, you know, for t the last 10 years, I've only been going to church on a Sunday morning. I would never come on a Sunday night. Why not? If Curtis wanted to have extended meetings for the next two weeks, how many would show every night? Good on you, mate. Three. Um, four. Five, six. It's encouraging. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not, look, I'm not having a crack at you. All I'm saying is this, that th these are issues that they had in the book of Acts, so much so that 380 went walkabout and left the prayer meeting. And at the same problem there, we have the same problem today, worldwide, churchwide. So it's a time issue. Can you give God time? We pray for revival. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We just don't want to be in the place where He can visit. No good praying God send a move of God if you're not prepared to wait on the Spirit of God for an indefinite time, like they did in the book of Acts. You say, well, I'm too old now. Oh, for God's sake, get a life. If you can breathe and you can walk, you're not too old. I celebrated my 66th birthday on September. Four years off 70, for God's sake. And I've got a lot of ooh, in me yet. Hey, Three years. Give me five. Hallelujah. See? So don't give me age as an excuse. I've seen people in their 70s and 80s get alive with the Holy Ghost and act like there's no tomorrow. I've seen them prancing and dancing and getting up there and having a time, my God. I've seen them as drunk as skunks in the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, glory to God. Hallelujah. That woke three people up. The <laughs> no, it didn't. No, you're a great gym. No, seriously. No, I rebuke myself. All right. So the time issue. The next issue is the sacrifice issue. These are all things that they had to face in the book of Acts. The sacrifice issue. We want fire, but fire only falls on the sacrifice. How much are you prepared to give your life to receive life? Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You have a church. See, can I, can I be really honest with you? I've been a, I go to a lot of great churches. But some churches, all they've got is a momentum of programs. I believe today God is looking for a momentum of the Spirit that won't stop. Hallelujah. Momentum in the Spirit is everything. But you can get a momentum in advertising. You can get a momentum. I, you know, somebody said this to me. Give me a bankroll. I don't need God and I'll build a church. You don't need God to build a church. You just need money. But what kind, of, what kind of church? So we have the sacrifice issue. The next one is the status issue. The status issue. From a world's perspective, we lose our status of being normal. But then God got to recreate in us a new normal. Look, I know this church. Listen, look at me for a minute. I know for a fact that when I'm around people, and I get around a lot of unsaved people as well, they find me slightly off the planet. Hallelujah. 
right? You know, because really, if we're really honest, we're all slightly off-center. Would you not agree? Hands up those who believe you're totally normal. We got anybody here? You would never raise your hand on a meeting like this. My wife was just about to. No, but no, glory to God. She's far from normal. But I love being what I am. And, and I want to be really scary because I'm not, there's not one seeker sensitive bone in my body. I'm seeker scary, not seeker friendly. And I tell you, everything that I've seen and everything that I want, I want more. I want more of the Holy Ghost. I want more of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We, we have had an extraordinary year this year and seen a lot of fruit. But it's, I'm so excited for next year. I can't wait for next year to show so that I can walk into it and see the great exploits of God. But let me tell you something. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. A move of God is the consequence of what you do in private. God will never do anything publicly until you do something privately that tells God that you want it. I've been around way too long, way too long in this, and seen way too many visitations and moves of God, not to know that there has to be the preparedness of man and the sovereignty of God. Are you prepared? And that's a question. I don't know whether you are. I'm asking you this question. Are you prepared for God to do something? Or do you want to coast month after month, year in and year out, just being normal church? God never ordained for you to be normal church. I've pioneered a few churches in my time, and one of the things that we, we did when we pioneered churches, and one of the things we always established, was an exciting prayer meeting. And we would have a prayer meeting, and that prayer meeting would just grow. In fact, we started off with about 10 people in the house, Kathy and I, in our home in Australia. People started hearing about the prayer meeting, and it grew to about 80 in our house. And Kathy said, get that out of here, hallelujah. Because we had not only 80 adults, but all their kids. And I love kids, but not like that, hallelujah. <laughs> Swinging from the flipping lights. Glory to God. But God gave us a church, and within two weeks of getting out of there, we had 160 in a hall. See, people out there will not respond to your religiosity and stop trying to make the church acceptable to out there because your idea of acceptance, acceptability to the outsider, he wants to see something different. I never apologized for what we ever did in church. Never. Never. I remember, I remember a church I pioneered, well, I took over an AG church of 60 old people, really, and none of them liked to stand. I could never understand. I couldn't get them to stand just right through a whole song. And uh, so I, I thought, I'll have a healing meeting. And so we had a healing meeting. We had 120 at that healing meeting. And then it never looked back. Within about nine months, we had something like almost seven to 800 people. But we're having a water baptismal service. And people were getting drunk in the water baptismal tank. We just had a galvanized, old galvanized tub. Hallelujah. And we threw the bodies in there. Hallelujah. And they get, I, they, we'd all raise our hands and they'd sink into the waters and we're fishing around for bodies. Hallelujah. Got them out. Do you realize that our baptismal services were, were one of the best services we ever had? And we had many of them on a regular basis because people kept getting saved. 
Now to the outsider, that would look crazy, and it looked crazy, but they were attracted to the craziness. Hallelujah. My board meetings, and, and I hate the word board in the church. It's, it's totally not scriptural, but a board, because I only know about elders and deacons, but anyway, that's okay. Uh, we don't want to talk about that. Um, but in my board meetings, and, and, and we would, I'd have all the, the, the elders stand up, and I said, before we discuss the business, and they, they knew what was coming, they'd go, yeah, me, me first. And, and I'd, I'd whack the whole lot of them, seven of them, good men and true. And they'd hit the deck, and we'd spend most of the time in our so-called board meeting on the floor, drunk in the spirit. That's how much power I've got. Hallelujah! <laughs> Glory to God. There, there was never an absentee from our board meetings because people love to come and get prayer and get drunk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And this is a different America than when I first came over with Curtis. There was something God was doing. And you know what? God wants to do it again. He wants to do it again. I walked into Curtis's church. My God, that thing just took off. It was a God moment and it was sovereign because God wanted to put us with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thought Curtis, and the, mind you, there was parts of Curtis I didn't like because he invited me around to his house to cook a steak out on the barbecue in midwinter and snow outside his house. I thought, no one does that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nobody does that. And that's the thing I miss the most. All right. The last one, and then I'm going to quit, is the sin issue. The sin issue. Sin blinds us to true revival. Sin dulls our spiritual senses. It is a deal breaker. Hallelujah. And I'm not necessarily talking about adultery or fornication or any of those what we call bad sins. I'm, I'm talking about just having an ugly spirit towards people. Murmuring, gossiping, treating people bad. Hands up those, we need a real revival of kindness in the body of Christ. We need, we need to start loving on each other more than any other time. So the sin issue. And repentance is the way out of the sin issue. Acknowledging your sin. Hallelujah. So what is revival? Revival is an invasion of the presence of God into a lifeless situation. And I'm closing with this note here. The fire fell in Jerusalem because that's where God, Jesus, told them to go. So fire falls where God tells you to go. God will always touch obedience with his fire. Hallelujah. 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 So how hungry are you really for God to come and touch this church? I don't care how many other churches are in Durant. That's their business. They're doing what they have to do. But what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing with what God's given you? How much do you want God to blow on this church and change it? How desperate do you want people to come in here and make this their spiritual home? 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How desperate are you for God to mess with your life and get involved in your life and turn everything upside down and topsy-turvy? When I first came over to America, I had no idea. I don't know how old, I, how old was I when I came here. 46. I was starting out at 46 years old. Two meetings a day, six days a week. And I've got to tell you something, church, for me, it's been the greatest 20 years of my life. I love it. I go to some churches and it can be as flat as a pancake. I love the variety. Then I go to other churches that's like there's angels and chariots and fire and all kinds of stuff. But over 20 years it's been an honor to serve the Master. He's put up with me for 20 years in the ministry. I don't have one angel looking after me. I've got heaps. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All my angels are high-geared, active angels just to look after me. And I'm 66, man. I'm, you know, four years off the big sevens era. And I'm, I'm really pumped. I'm just, I feel like I'm just beginning again. And I love that feeling. I love that feeling I'm just beginning. Awesome. Actually, we're going to a church in Arizona, to Cottonwood, great church, a few hundred people. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to another two churches that are fabulous. Then a, a spiritual son. That's interesting, just a little quieter joy. I had a spiritual, I've got a spiritual son I met 15 years ago. And he had a church of 60. And he, he said to me one time, he said, would you come to a church of 60? I said, totally. He is referred by a friend. I was referred to him by a friend. And I said, but I'm booked, I can't come. And he said, well, if I got my intercessors to pray for you to have a cancellation, would you come then? And I thought, he's really sincere with this. And I said, yes, I promise you I would, but I won't get a cancellation. So we got his intercessors to pray, and the, the following day, I got a phone call. Look, we can't have you this time. So I had my cancellation. I rang him up, went out to meet him, and 60 people grew to 100 per night. We had something like the size of his church saved again in one week. See, I, I've seen this with God. He responds to desperation. This guy was desperate. And now he, he kept pestering me, would you be my spiritual father? I said, no, I'm an evangelist. And I, I, to shut him up, one day he asked me one too many times. He said, would you be my spiritual father? I said, and I was just about to say no, and I thought, the only way I can shut this guy up is say yes. So I said yes, and it's been a relationship for 15 years, father and son. And now he's running about 800 people. And a huge dealer should be purchased. And I made, he said, any advice to me, Pop? He calls me Pop. Any, any advice? I said, I'll give you a piece of advice. I said, you be faithful to the move of God and the move of God will be faithful to you. 
That's what I love about them. They'll get in there, and I'm telling you, that we'll, we'll get at least five to 600 out a night of people hungry for the move of the Spirit. Maybe more. Do you feel a little challenged? A little provoked? Everybody go like this. Hallelujah. That means I'm provoked. Glory to God. Let's all stand today.